Hello and welcome to today's Living Life. In the 20th century, it was a season of a lot of war and a lot of devastation. And in the midst of it, uh, in, in Germany, there was a movement by the Nazis to, uh, to subjugate Christianity to their own value system. And they, they coined something that we call today positive Christianity. In other words, it was Christianity where it would only be approved by the, the German or Nazi government of the time if it was in alignment with the values of Hitler and of the, the German uh, movement. And their goal was, in, in short, it was to Nazify the Protestant church in Germany. And therefore, if they, they thought if they could get the Christians on board with their, their direction, then they will be a lot more powerful and much more united. Um, and if accomplished, they could push people to believe the things that they believe and to push people onto their agenda. In today's passage, what we, what we will be looking at is how Jeroboam had seized a lot of the territory and a lot of the, uh, the kingdoms from Rehoboam, um, but it wasn't complete yet because a lot of the religious structures were still bound up in the south, in Jerusalem, in the temple. So for, Re for Jeroboam to finish the job, he needed to create an incentive for people to stop going to the temple. And as we read today's living life, let's dig into uh, the passage and see what the Word of God says for us today. Second Chronicles chapter 11, verses 13 through 23. The priests and Levites from all their districts throughout Israel sided with him. The Levites even abandoned their pasture lands and property and came to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons had rejected them as priests of the Lord when he appointed his own priests for the high places and for the goat and calf idols he had made. Those from every tribe of Israel who set their hearts on seeking the Lord, the God of Israel, followed the Levites to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. They strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam son of Solomon three years, following the ways of David and Solomon during this time. Rehoboam married Mahalath, who was the daughter of David's son Jeremoth and of Abihail, the daughter of Jesse's son Eliab. She bore him sons, Jeush, Shemariah, and Zaham. Then he married Makah, daughter of Absalom, who bore him Abijah, Atai, Ziza, and Shalomith. Rehoboam loved Makah, daughter of Absalom, more than any of his other wives and concubines. In all, he had 18 wives and 60 concubines, 28 sons and 60 daughters. Rehoboam appointed Abijah, son of Makah, as crown prince among his brothers, in order to make him king. He acted wisely, dispersing some of his sons throughout the districts of Judah and Benjamin and to all the fortified cities. He gave them abundant provisions and took many wives for them. Welcome back to today's Living Life. 
the passage opens very interestingly by saying that the priests and the Levites were beginning to flood into the southern territory, into Jerusalem. And what's not clearly mentioned in this section in Chronicles is exactly why. First uh, Kings chapter 12 has a parallel account of this, what's happening here. In First Kings 12, 26, uh, remember Jeroboam is trying to consolidate his leadership and his kingship of the ten tribes. And he says this, and Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David if this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem. And if they do, then the hearts of the people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Jeroboam, the king of Judah, the, the land. So Jeroboam is thinking of self-preservation at this point. He had uh, successfully, in some ways, stolen the kingship from Rehoboam, from Rehoboam's foolish decision. But now he needs to make sure that the people continue to stay with him. And this is one of those really, uh, really challenging, really sad cases where uh, the faith of the people and the religious perspective and the desire of God is subjugated to a person's personal ploy for power. Why did Jeroboam cast out the priests? Because the priests would lead the people to worship God. And if the people worship God, then they will go to Jerusalem. If they go to Jerusalem, they will go to where King Rehoboam is. And they will reflect perhaps on the promises of God to David, that he will, through the descendants of David, make an everlasting kingship. Now, remember, Jeroboam, he is not a child of David. He is not a descendant of David. He is a man from the tribe of Ephraim, uh, and he's just a very uh, able man, a capable leader in many ways. But his intentions is not to honor God at all in his plan. And in fact, what he ends up doing is he, out of gold, he forms these golden calves. And then he says a very um, interesting phrase. He says to Israel, he says, Israel, these are your gods. And the reason why this is so interesting is we see this exact same expression used in the book of Exodus. And what happens in Exodus? The people are saved by God, delivered from the oppression in Egypt, and they're brought out of Egypt. And for a season, Moses disappears on a mountain. And everybody thinks he had passed away. He disappeared. He died. And they ask, the people ask Aaron to craft gods for them. And what Aaron does is he crafts a golden calf. And he says to the people, Israel, this is your God. In other words, just as how the people were led in idolatry back in Exodus, we see it happening again in this beginning of this divided kingdom. We see Jeroboam, perhaps strategically, but definitely not honoring God, uh, when he creates these golden calves and tells the people to worship these gods. We see a repeated form of idolatry, and we see ongoing just how bad it is. Later on, when we look throughout the kings of the northern tribe, it says that they were evil, that they were wicked, that they didn't honor the Lord. And whenever a king failed to you know, turn to the Lord, it says that they walked in the sins of Jeroboam. His name became uh, linked together with walking away from the Lord, walking in sin, walking in an evil path. 
and the sins of Jeroboam continued to mark the kingship of the northern ten tribes. So in the south, we had an influx of tribes, and uh, it seems almost like the north would be very unfaithful and the south would be very, very faithful. But we see, it, we see it in part. We see actually not just the priests and Levites coming down, but also those from the ten tribes who continue to be loyal to God, they would still come down to Jerusalem. So even though the ten tribes rebelled, there were still members within that tribe that continued to honor and worship God. And perhaps this is an element of grace that we can see. But there's an ominous saying in uh, chapter 17 that they were faithful for three years. In other words, we're going to uh, see how that's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen after three and actually five years. We'll see actually not only the northern tribe, but even the southern kingdom is beginning will begin to walk away from the Lord. The latter half of this section, it talks about Rehoboam's relationships and his government structure. And this is where we actually see that God is still faithful to his promises to David, that he will build an everlasting kingship through his line. And Rehoboam is a descendant of Solomon, who is a descendant of David. So we see God's faithfulness even then. And we see uh, a constant motifs referring to David. We see that uh, Rehoboam marries somebody who's referred to uh, the child of Jesse, which is David's uh, father. And then we also see reference to somebody who is a child of David. And then we also see uh, Rehoboam's favorite wife, he, and he had many, is actually a descendant of Absalom, who is also David's child. And we actually see this constant reference to David because it's highlighting that God is still faithful to his promise to David. Broadly, though, the text concludes in verse 23b by again referring to the cities, these cities that uh, Rehoboam loads up with military supplies. And again, this is going to be foreshadowing the fall, in some ways, of the southern kingdom. Why don't we spend some time and reflect, and reflect on the idea of if we accidentally perhaps uh, use God instead of obeying God. So let's have a time of reflection. In today's passage, we saw Jeroboam abusing faith, abusing God for personal gain. But not only him, but we also saw that with, Jeroboam, uh, with Rehoboam as well, didn't we not? We saw that Rehoboam didn't obey the wise advice of seeking God's counsel, but instead he thought to you know, make a decision about how he should lead his kingdom uh, very, very selfishly in some ways, not honoring the people, but actually looking to use people for his own benefit. And we see that on a government and a top level, but we also see that play out personally. Uh, we see it playing out oftentimes in the way that we ourselves could uh, oppress people accidentally, perhaps, using the Word of God. We may find uh, in some ways that we tend to, instead of honor God and worship God, we tend to use God for our purposes. And, you know, there's many, many scripture texts that we sometimes misrepresent, such as, um, you know, a husband and wife relationship for one example. 
where the scripture says, you know, for the wives to submit to the husband. And perhaps we may use that overbearingly and oppressively to actually harm the wife. When scripture says right around that time as well in that section, husbands love your wives like Christ died for the church. Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? He sacrificed his life. He died to serve the church. And we see um, sometimes that we can mistakenly use scripture and the word of God to instead of building up, instead of following God, instead of honoring God, we may accidentally uh, abuse people and abuse God. So today I encourage you to reflect on maybe what are some areas in your life where uh, you can once again turn to God, be restored, and also to love Him and to love your neighbor better. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your word this morning. May we learn to walk with you, Lord, instead of uh, ignoring what your word says. I pray that you would help us to actually reflect on our lives in light of your word and to make wise decisions, Lord, that we might be uh, your people, Lord, who, who know you and who love you, Lord. So thank you, Jesus, for this time. Uh, walk with us with, uh, throughout this day. In your name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching a world and stepping in closer, see